Hello and welcome, MLB Pro Nerds. This is episode five. It's five, right? Five, yes. Yeah. Uh, of Rough Draft. Uh, I'm Comey. That's Scott. Scott, how are you doing? Good, John. How are you today? Uh, now that we're up and running, good. Um, <laughs> although I can't use running pun because I'm still using the cane. But I'm, I'm walking, so I'm up and walking. Although right now I'm sitting because walking and doing this would be a, a thing um that nobody wants um that would be not i don't know maybe people do want it i have no idea it, it, it would be more interesting if they could see you yeah, walking and, yeah and nobody wants to watch this um <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to see how this sausage gets made uh we got a bunch of stuff we got some new stuff to get to today a couple new segments and we're going to try uh to keep this as close to an hour as possible and to achieve those means i have a timer of course, I don't have the Google Doc up, um, so I can get started, but that will take just a couple of seconds. See, it's already up. Good. Good job, technology. Yes. All right. So um, on today's episode, we have a regular headlines draft, which I guess has become regular because uh, at least I've been uh, lazy and coming up with things. I think a headlines draft works. Um, although I guess what I did, I, we do have a second draft today that we'll explain later. Um, we've got head to head and stash to sell or stash and sell. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, and we have a segment that's going to be built into the show who won the trade because we actually had some trades. We can talk about those a little bit, uh, but let's get to the draft. I got the first pick this week and I, my first pick is hello, Corbin Carroll, i.e. George Springer's injury. So George Springer is out uh, for two to three months. And this is something, what is his injury? What did he do to himself? Uh, it says surgery to remove bone spurs. Well, yeah, but that didn't, that didn't happen because he's like, it happened in the game, like, or happened during the game. So he didn't go to have surgery like <sighs> During the thing. So let's see. What did he do? Um, oh, that's not updated to anything. He did something to something. I think we can probably put it at that. Um, and oh, this would be why. See, this is why I get paid no money to do this. Um, there we go. Uh, he has a bone spur in his elbow. He has bone spurs in his elbow. So I guess he's going to have surgery at some point to remove bone spur but um he got diagnosed with it uh back on yesterday i guess um you know he's formally diagnosed but he is on the 60-day il and that uh puts all the tension i am guessing on corbin carroll who um has been up like he was up and he's been he's been starting um or i guess i shouldn't say that um no he was brought up see i was looking at last year's stats anyway um so he came up um uh, looking like for the weekend series um and he so far getting 333 385 833 um now he's got four doubles in there or no four hits but he's got a double triple and a home run um Scott, my question to you is, can the Mariners 
deal with Springer's injury, like, will, will they lose anything with Corbin Carroll? They'll lose some power, but I don't think they're going to lose much else. Uh, Carroll's a good contact hitter and a, has a good eye. So he's going to get on base a lot, and he has a speed. He's already got two steals already in the three games he's been up. So I don't see them losing a whole bunch. But, you know, we're, how is he mesh in the lineup is the main, you know, thing to look at. He's hitting up in front of Ramon Zaragoza, who's on fire right now. I knew you were going to – you were angling for that. You were yes. angling for that. I looked him up. He's batting 321 so far on the year. I don't remember the last time he batted over two, like, 80 in the last five years. So – uh, he's on a hot streak, and you ride him while you can. So I think right now Zaragoza is going to protect him a bit, but um, he's in the five-hole uh, against raggies and in the seven-hole against lefties because he's a lefty. Yeah, I don't see them losing a whole bunch. I mean, they they got a lot of good, consistent people up and down their lineup to help offset that. Yeah, um, I mean, clearly losing Springer is detrimental. Um, you know, he had, he, he's added to a list that includes Francisco Lindor, at least for another week, you know, less than that, I guess. Corey Seager, Jason Castro, and uh, Gary Griffith. Springer was hitting 315, 351, 425 uh, at the time of his injury. Um, a OPS plus of 119. Um, you know, he was playing really solid ball. Uh, an interesting what if on this, um, you know, there was a possibility of Cade Cahill for Corbin Carroll before the season began. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Corbin, what, what Carroll does now that uh, he is, he's thrust into the spotlight a little bit. Um, you know, when I, I think he's, I think he's ready. I think he's, he's, definitely ready to go um i think the question just is you know his production is going to be up and down you i don't think you can count on zaragoza mckinley hasn't been great um and so you i think you have to wonder at some point if the uh uh that was the buzzer if um the mariners you know league run or league high offense uh, does kind of gra- grind to a halt while you have a um, a rookie try and learn the ropes under uh, a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, yeah um, they'll have to rely on their pitching a little bit more. Yeah, which, you know, that, I mean, they've, they've been doing all right. You know, they're now second in runs against and first and fifth and first in war. So, you know, they've gotten the pitching thing around, but um, the bats, uh, you know, we'll see with Carroll. Uh, what's your first pick? My first pick was talking about the Detroit Tigers and are their pitchers jinxed? They're having the same problem with, with injuries. They got uh, Dumont, Maury, Burkle, and Comer all on the IL right now. And can this rotation stay together and keep them in the race while you know the people on the injured list heal up? Because DeMont's out for another two or three weeks. 
Maury's out for four months, Burke's another two months, and Comer's gone for the season. With the way Minnesota is playing, can Detroit hang in there, or you think they're going to continue to fall back? Well, okay, so let let so Burke was out before the season, um, right? So that that isn't a thing. Out of Comer, um, and Maury, which of those two is the bigger loss? That's a hard question um, you know so uh, just probably, a little, yeah ahead. probably maury because he could last you know he has the more stamina to go deeper into games to help you save your bullpen when you need to so maury's numbers look better than they probably are he's one no with a 434 era he had an 0.86 uh, whip on the strength of uh just 10 hits allowed and 18 and two-thirds uh, K rate of 6.8 per nine innings. His BABIP was 143 and he had a 90, 98 ERA plus. Like he was a bit of a mirage. Like he's somebody that when the BABIP catch, catches up, uh, chances are he's not going to be um, what he is now. Comer, on the other hand, has sucked. Um, mainly because of the walks. He's walked seven and 11 and the third, he's 0-2 with a 7.15 ERA. Um, the strikeouts are good, 10.3 per nine. But he had a 400 Babbitt and a 60 ERA plus. So I guess it comes down to, I mean, yeah, Dumont's only out for two or three weeks, which is why I, I haven't put him in there. But he also has not been good at all uh, in his one outing. He had a 2.57 whip. So that's extremely small sample size theater. Um, what do you see is the fix? like? Do they look outside their uh, their That's, franchise for uh, for help? They they might have to. I mean, they got Thomas Hershiser in the minors, but he's still in the A ball. So you're not calling him up. I don't see anybody in their minors that are really gonna blow anybody away and uh, excite anybody. Uh, I'm moving on to the triple A team. Uh, Parker Capney struggling in triple A. I mean, they all seem to be struggling right now. Um, so, yeah, I don't see them coming from within their own franchise. They either have to ride out the storm or go call jabs. Chicago well, and see if what Copeland's like. They do look like a team that is cash that is strapped financially, do they not? Uh yes. So it shows that they have nothing available. Yeah. So I don't think you can really count on um making a, a, a trade unless the Cubs eat a lot of money. And if they're gonna do that. Um, that's when you start asking about Sawyer Robertson or Tamar Johnson, which I'm not sure Detroit would be willing to part with on either. And so it comes down to smaller deals or 
are you already starting to look at 2024? Yeah, or are you hoping that Scalise turns it around and, and Libertor becomes a pitcher you think he's going to be in? You know, Cody continues to pitch the way he is and, and relying on Jason Johnston, who just got called up, who will start tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so Scalise has the, the, if you can call it that, the best start he had. I mean, he has not had a start where he's given up less than four runs. And so you, you really kind of need him to turn that around pretty, pretty quickly. Um, yep. but yeah, I, I'm, that will be kind of interesting to, to watch. Um, and eventually this does, uh, Jim have to look at his, his, uh, trainer and, and see, you know, he's been a trainer there since 2019. Well, given that Jim just looked at the standings today for the first yeah, for time, the first time, yeah. allegedly, um, <laughs> that, that trainer may have some shelf life to him yet. Um, yes. all right, let's, let's turn a little inward here. Uh, my second pick is that the Oakland A's are playing winning baseball. Now, um, to go back to find out when the Oakland A's last played winning baseball, you need to go back uh, 10 years uh, to 2013 when they won 84 games. Uh, who was on that team? Um, uh, Jason Kipnis was on that team. Um he of 280, 357, 479, 19 homers, 74 RBIs. Uh, James Paxton was on that team. Vance Worley was was on that team. Um, Jordan Zimmerman was on that team. Kind of tells you how they won 84 games. So far, the A's are 13 and 9. Uh, doing it on uh, the strength of the most runs scored in MLB Pro, 124. Um you know, the, they're fourth in OPS, fourth in batting war, or I guess maybe not the most runs, most runs in the AL at the very least. Let me just circle back to that. Second in home runs, sixth in steals, third in base running. Um, the pitching staff, the bullpen has been good. Um, the FIP leads one to believe that it, that it can sustain, though the defense is pretty bloody awful. Uh, and I, I think it's evidenced by the league leading or the AL leading 203 strikeouts by the pitching staff. Um, do you think that the A's success is sustainable, um, especially given the stretch that is coming up to end the month? Right. And you got to go back and look at this past week. You know, we played against the Cubs and Texas, who were two of the lower teams in MLB Pro. We had a good week. But now we come up against four against the Angels and three at home against Cincinnati. You're such a it, homer. We, we, we. You're such a homer. Yeah, sorry. Just just to have it. But um, things have been going good for the A's, and hopefully that will continue. You know, now we get into the part where we have uh, Jose or Jesus Torres, Ian Anderson, and Cole Wynn in our first three against the angels. So hopefully it'll be sustained, but I'm still looking at a 500 year. 
Okay. Yeah. It's a four game set in uh, Anaheim starting. Uh, is it ton- that's tonight. Starting tonight. tonight. Yeah. Starting tonight. Um, I would think, and I need to, I'm oh, sorry. Um, you know, obviously there's room for growth. I do have to wonder, um, or I, I'm curious, do you think the A's are pleased with the progress that Wander Franco is, uh, Wander Franco's made, um, now hitting slightly above average, uh, which is progress from last year where he only hit 235, 350, 353 a year ago with a 96 OPS plus right now going into today through 19 games, 266, 341, 392 for a 733 OPS, um, a strikeout to walk rate 15 to six, which is, um, well, look, it's MLB pro like strikeouts are a dime or dozen. Um, but what do you think the ceiling for, for Franco is and how far away do you think he is? I mean, he's only, he's a young 22 he turned 22 back on the first. So like how far away do you think he is from a ceiling and what is that ceiling? Well, in uh, Miami, call him up young. I mean, in 2021. So he was 20 when he got called up. I, think he got rushed to the majors i think he's probably towards the end of this year beginning of next year he'll start getting to where you think he should be you know with his contact rate and all that stuff i mean he should be hitting somewhere in a 280 range 285 range 25 homers you know and and leading the team in, in certain categories and uh i still think he's a few months away from that or even the beginning of next year before he gets to where my expectations are for him. So out of curiosity, how much of, do you think, how much of the core of the next winning team in Oakland is currently on the roster? I for the most part, there's a couple of people in the minors that I expect to be uh, Robert Bannatine, uh to come up with this team next year. Uh, but I think the core is here. So Cesar Lopez and um, is penciled in as your, your second baseman? Yes. I mean, he's 29. I mean, like, it, it's... You know, it, it's such an ageism thing in this league that when guys get to 30, you know, I brought it up in the season preview, but when guys get in their 30s, like they are persona non grata. Um, I mean, Lopez is performing well in his first season in Oakland so far. Um, and I mean, he's there through 2026. So like if things go south, that contract is, you're probably stuck with it, um, you know, in Oakland. Yeah. yeah. But um. Okay, so, um, so you think close to 500 this year, um, so then all the pieces come together next year. Like, what do you think next year? Uh, I think next year we will be competing for a playoff spot. Well, there you go. Getting, a- a's making up to the 90s. playoffs next year. You heard it first here. Yeah, you you've heard <laughs> it. You've heard it. All right, what's your Good. second round? Pick? So let's turn the, let's turn the tables. And let's talk about Tampa Bay and 
And you've made a couple trades here this past week. Well, Tampa made a couple trades. I didn't know such thing, but okay. Okay. Tampa made a couple trades this week. How do you think those trades went for Tampa? Um. Well, so so just to back up and just to provide a little bit more context, uh, the uh, the trades um, brought uh, Garrett DeChambeau in from Kansas City for a trio of prospects. Um, and then uh, a rather sizable deal where uh, Tampa sent four players. Well, three players on the current roster, though. Tristan Beck, even though he's performing well, was on borrowed time. And prized prospect Jack Leiter to the Brewers for first baseman. Well, kind of slash outfielder. Like, he kind of does a little bit of everything. Daniel McCormick and uh, starting pitcher Duncan Dumoulin. Um both deals, I think, were surprises. Um, you know, the fact that DeChambeau, who was the 11th ranked prospect in the league, uh, and I mean, still is, uh, was available, um, was, I, I feel like that is, like, buried treasure uh, in your backyard for the Rays because, um, they've been trying to figure out the middle infield problem for the better part of a season and a half now. And not just like who's starting, but like just what do those pieces look like? Because uh, William Gray is fine, but he is a part-time starter at best. I think um, Brady McConnell, probably better suited for shortstop. Uh, and he's also defense first. You know, you get offense out. I mean, he had a three-run homer the other night, uh, which was a surprise. But um, if you get offense out of him, that, that's, that's, he's not there necessarily for defense. Well, if, um, we break it, if we break it down a little bit, you know, Prado was a first baseman, McCormick first baseman. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that kind of, is that a wash in your mind or did no, Tampa I, get an improvement? With no, I, I, I don't. I don't think the Rays would have made that move, um, knowing how much they value or valued. It's in past tense now. Uh, Prado. I mean, Prado was a Rule Five pick who won the Gold Glove last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yo, what McCormick does, I think, for Tampa, what he does, he does two things. One, um. He's a guy who, who's patient. Like, he fits Tampa's system. He is a fast guy who will have a reasonable on-base percentage. Um, and then he defends. And not only does he defend first base, but he can play left field and right field and do it very well. Um, you know, he is somebody who is capable in several different positions. Um, his speed, like, he can run the bases very well, which Prado could not do and you're not losing the defense so that overall for Tampa system is an upgrade I think DeChambeau is clearly an upgrade um you know the the three prospects could be good there I think they're more lottery tickets uh DeAndrade uh Danny DeAndrade probably the class of those three um but he's really young and, and pretty far away Ollie Gordon was a second round pick last year also really far away um, and when I look at the trade, in my opinion, the DeChambeau trade 
went heavily towards Tampa. But, you know, that scale bounces out if these three become regulars on, oh, yeah. on Kansas City down the road. The other trade, the one with uh, Milwaukee, is a little bit, I mean, closer in value right now. Milwaukee you know, has every chance to crush that trade. Yeah, they do. Um, but I, I think Tampa's process here um, is consolidation um, and you identify what you want and need to get to where you want to go. Um, it's a steep price, a lighter could be a potential award winner. Um, O'Connell can crush uh, in Milwaukee. Um, it's, I think, and we'll wrap up here. Um, I think he had he had stagnated in the second half of last year. And while he was hitting well this year, like it just seemed like he was capped where he was. Um, and <clears throat> with Tampa having so many outfielders, like O'Connell was DHing. He wasn't even playing the outfield. So if they could get a pitcher um, who could be a difference maker and, and Dumoulin, um, you know, he had his first start last night, went all right. Um, then it's trading a strength to, but, to gain a strength. So, but what does that do to Tampa when you have Hughes and Schuler and who's the third Chan down in the minor still, I mean, even an anonymous GM this morning pointed out that Tampa has pitching depth. Well, there's also two spots in the rotation. Like Mesa's not long-term. The fifth one, if it's Clancy, it's Clancy. Currently, Ethan Reed, another rookie, is slated to start on Wednesday night. Um, so, you know, one of those will go to Hughes at some point. One will go to like Schuler or Chan. Um, or maybe one of those three gets traded because there are still some holes on this team and there are some players that um, are projected to be available later this year that Tampa may be saving up for. And maybe one of those guys uh, or maybe two of those guys um, get a deal done. Um, so, um, so expect to hear more about Tampa in the near future. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, it, it took him a, a year to even make a deal in the first place. <laughs> um, my third round pick, um, because he has been crushed in the press lately. Um, I'm just, I, let's talk about Addison Reed's rough month. So Reed now, his numbers look interesting. So he's 0-5. He's currently leading the league with five losses. He has nearly as many losses um, as he has one less loss than the Braves, which is actually kind of staggering um, to me. He does have two saves. He only has a 4-3-8 ERA in his nine games. He has a 1.54 whip. He struck out 12, uh, walked five, gave him 14 hits. Um, his K rate is down nearly a full strikeout from last year from 9.6 to 
His walks are the same, 3.6, which is still down from when he was in Colorado when he was at 5.2, Lord. Uh, his BABIP is 400, and his ERA plus is 95. So the question I have for you is, is this on Reed or is this on Kansas City's defense, which ranks 13th in the, in the AL, ninth in zone rating. They are fifth in errors, but that's so close together that whatever. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't like your closer to have a 4.38 ERA, but like you said, a lot to do with defense. And he's been demoted out of the closer role back to a setup person um, by Kansas City's manager. So I I fully expect him to turn it around and get back to at least, you know, above average season. He's not going to get 31 saves again since he's not, you know, the main closer anymore. But, you know, I expect his ERA to get down almost another full run down to like three and a half, 3.2, somewhere in there, like normal. You know, this is MLB Pro. We go through stretches where you get the crap beat out of you, and then you go through a stretch where, you know, he's going to strike out, you know, eight batters out of nine. So I, I would put this more on Kansas City's defense or, or lack thereof right now and be looking for him to to improve and get back to where he normally is. The um, the error uh, or the, the loss he suffered on Saturday night uh, was um, mainly due to an error uh, on a Josh Bell ground ball. Uh, that was booted by oh, who was playing uh, by Neymar uh, de Sadas. Um, it was you know his second of the year. That um, right after that, uh, he went 2-0 to Anthony Kerr, and then Kerr uh, singled that scored both Mar- uh, Nomar Marzara and Josh Bell. Um, the thing that's interesting about Reed, and the reason why I said his ERA was interesting. Um, is that he, uh, in his nine outings, he has given up a run in seven of them, which is really kind of curious to me. Um, you know, the, the loss that he suffered on Friday, he walked three. He only gave up one hit, um, but he walked three. Um, but outside of that, he actually went four, four, stre- uh, four outings where he didn't walk a single batter. Um, I feel like I got to put this on on Kansas City's defense as well. Like it just he, he started to get up there in age a little bit at 34. You know, you can expect to see some regression, but you know, this isn't terrible. No, it's just you, you know, zero and five is alarming, but lo- wins and losses are not specifically related to pitching. Though in Reed's case, it's more magnified because he's a reliever, right? Yeah. So, I, but I, I always see either him turn around or, or are they going to trade him? I mean, do you want to be paying him five and a half million dollars to to set up? I mean, Joe Kelly is who's in the closer role right now. He's off to a fine start, but I mean, last year he pitched to a six point eight four ERA, a one point six eight WHIP. 
you know, the year before that was 4.35 with a 1.28 whip. I mean, is he a sustainable closer? Well, and the, the thing you have with Reed is, and, and we'll leave off here, uh, you're paying him five and a half million through his age 36 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, his fastball is currently topping out at 93. Um, that kind of speed does not age well, even for a ground ball pitcher. Um, Kansas City might be happy that that he's got three option years left. <laughs> he might, like, he's a guy that might end up spending a year and a half of this contract in the minor leagues. Um, yeah. Let's get to your last pick. My last pick was... I think the Atlanta Braves are going to finish the month with 22 wins and seven losses. He's going to go six and one this next week. Are you doing this because of one of the head to heads that I put in? No, I was thinking about this beforehand. And then I went over and saw what the head to head matchups were and it just, they just coincide. So, um, but I'll talk about the head to head at the same time. I think they're, going to be the only team with 20 plus wins at the end of the month. They get four against the Marlins and then three at New York. I can see them going six and one and trying to put some distance between them and the Phillies. So last week, uh, my first pick was that the Phillies are the best team in the league and the Braves are like, hold up. Um, Yep. Braves winners of six straight. Uh, you know, they're the thing that stands out. Uh, they mash their second in the NL in home runs and their first in runs against their first in FIP, their first in pitching war. Um, they're also first in tied for first in errors. Uh, they, they, um, they don't hurt themselves, uh, in the field. You know, they're not the most efficient team, but they get the job done. Again, tied for first. They have seven errors. Um, you know, the Royals were tied for fifth when they had 10. So, again, like, it's really scrunched together. Um, is Taylor Sparks, I mean, this is going to be a topic for next week's show, but is Taylor Sparks the NL player of the month to you? The way he's playing? I think he's, he, well, he's playing for a new contract, right? Yeah. What what motivation, you know, for him? And he's just mashing the ball. You know, 387 batting average, 465 on base percentage, a 218 OPS plus, and already a war of 1.6. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if I'm Atlanta, I'm not trading him. I'm writing it out and hoping he takes us to a World Series. Yeah, he is um, currently on pace for 44 home runs. Um, looking at looking at this and his, uh, oh, does it have the war? Yeah, oh, 11.4. 11.4 war is what he's on pace for? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, there it is. Um, the, the interesting thing about Sparks is uh, he's still in the trade block. Yeah. And... Um, at what point do you say, well, now we just ride it out? I mean, it's not like Oyashi is doing something that makes trading sparks more palatable. You know, Oyashi's been 
hot garbage so far this year. You know, yeah. Like he's at a negative 0.6 war. Um, but you have to imagine he's going to turn it around. Um, you know, Bryce Harper's back in a couple of weeks. So that's good news um, for the, uh, for the Braves or for, yeah, for the Braves. I mean, Harper was hurt back on the 18th. So um, back last Tuesday, he's, he's hitting 311, 389, 557. Um, his war is at 0.8. Like he's, he's had a really good start to the year. Um, you know, I, I find, I think it's, if I say that the Braves are the best team in the league now, um, the Marlins are going to sweep them and go undefeated and then have like the best record in, or, you know, be leading the NL East in a week. Like this just seems to be what happens in this division. Um, yeah. We have to be careful when we call somebody the best team in, in MLB pro, don't we? Cause they take a dive the week after. Well, I mean, it's not like the Phillies really fell off. I mean, like I said, it's, it was, they were the best team now. Right. They were three. Phillies were three and three last week. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, not horrible. Uh, they went, oh, they went three and four from the last time of our last episode. Oh, three and four. Yeah. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're, they're still, I mean, they're right there. I mean, I'm not really sure you're gaining a whole lot of space on the Phillies, though. I mean, this is a good week to do it with, um, you know, Seattle's going to Philly. And then they have to go to Houston, and Houston's kind of been a little resurgent lately. Um, but well, yeah, the, uh, if you look at who each team is playing right now, Atlanta should put distance between them. Yeah, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right, right. Um, so there's our first draft. Um, why don't we do stash sell now, and then we'll do the second draft. Okay. Um, so, uh, who are you stashing this week? I'm going to go with the same thing I did last week and, and talk about, you know, doing it like rotisserie style. This week, Chris Galise has two starts. And I think he's going to make the most of those. I think he's going to have two quality starts this week. He's getting one tonight against Milwaukee and Milwaukee. And then this weekend against Baltimore at home. Scalise is due to break out of his slump. Are you trying to convince yourself of that? I think I'm trying to convince Jim of that too. Well, I mean, if let's say Scalise does not win a game in April, um, <sighs> how soon before the trade emails or the, the trade messages start? I, they might already be happening behind the scenes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I mean, that's possible. But, but I mean, from Detroit's point of view, I mean, can you trade Scalise right now? I mean, you're, you're either A, going to have to eat a lot of that contract to get anything back in return, or you trade them for two lottery tickets and hope they, you cash in. Yeah. I mean, you know, the one place he could go, I mean, Robertson would have to go along with him. Uh, but Chicago to Wrigley, um, Ryan Copeland. Um, but that's probably a, even a rental on, on that. So, and again, it comes down to, can they afford it? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, 
my stash, um, my stash, I am going long-term on this and also media pub, uh, Colby Allard with the A's. So he's not performing. He's, he's performing fine. He's three and two, four, five, five ERA, um, a 1.12 whip, 33 strikeouts in 27 and two thirds, just 26 hits, just five walks. Um, he's, uh, his walks are down a full walk uh, per nine from last year. Does have a 319 BABIP. Oakland's defense isn't great. Um, he's got an area plus of 91. So he's a little bit under average. Um, but he has the makeup of somebody who will be a contender for a Cy Young, I think, next year. And I think this year is where he makes the leap towards that. So I'm stashing him because he's a long-term stash to me in those terms. Like he's so under the radar that it's, it's ridiculous. Well, and he just got signed to an extension of 17 million over three years. Yeah. So there's, that's the hope is that he continues to get better each year. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed on that. Um, who are you selling? My son, and we just talked about him this week, is is the Phillies with their schedule against Seattle and Houston. I think it's going to be a tough week for them. Uh, Not that they're a bad team or not that I think it's going to be a long-term thing, but for this week alone, that is a a tough schedule to go with, especially after you just lost three out of four against Colorado. So I'm selling Phillies this week. I think there has to be some concern. It's also going to be interesting. Like the matchup of the week is the Phillies offense against Seattle's pitching. Considering that both are leading their respective leads or leagues in a bunch of stuff. Um, But what's got to be a little concerning for the Phillies, their seventh in starters ERA, seventh and fifth, seventh and pitching more. Again, it's not terrible, but it's league average. And that's got to be a little concerning that maybe they're not beyond Pedro Magana, at which point, if they aren't, if they're not anything more than Magana and O'Day, um, then this Phillies team is should have reason for worry. I don't, I'm not there, but I, yeah. Yeah, I, I not yet, see... but like you said, I mean, when the rest of your pitching staff, the lowest ERA is 5.23 after Magana, that's reason to, to worry as we're getting towards the end of April when everybody already has their, you know, five, about five starts now. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm, I'm selling uh, Cubs trading leverage with each passing day. Um, because because at, at this point, you know, the clock on Copeland's ticking. And... Mm-hmm. You know, the, they started the courtship over the weekend. Um, and if I'm the Cubs, like, you know, I know that they started to reach out to teams on, on potential players today. But I want something firm by Wednesday. I would think like Copeland starts tonight tonight before his next start. Yeah. 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 Before his next start, 
And I want something firm from a team so that I can go to another team and say, well, what can you do better? Like, I, I want that bidding more because, again, for a lot of teams, um, he's a rental. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, I think they said that Ed Harris, the, the Cubs got the most on uh, traction on Ed Harris. Um, he's a free agent after next year. And he's right. 30. Yeah. He's 30. So, and he's not a power guy. And, um, and how long do you wait? Because what happens if one of these guys gets injured and then you can't move them? Right. And and so at the very least on Copeland, like I want him off the books as soon as possible. Um, but you're losing trade value, um, at least with each passing start. So I yeah. would think by Wednesday, I want something lined up. Um, I don't want to go into the weekend. On Ideally, I go into the weekend without him on the roster. Um, <laughs> I, I'm in full agreement. I mean, because right now, what is he going to get? Uh, he's got five starts. So if he 25 more starts for somebody yeah. else, yeah. that's a million dollars. I mean, almost a million dollars to start. Yeah, but it's it's also it's also roster certainty for a team in contention, ideally. Uh-huh. So, all right, um, we are starting a second draft, um, which will have all assortment of of things sometimes i mean i'm the mlb pro related uh this one is and so i created this one um scott might do the next one um who knows um maybe we'll we'll tag team and, and do them back and forth but um the this week's second draft i haven't come up with another name for this thing the other draft i don't know um if there was an mlb pro redraft if everybody got put into a, a draft pool and you had the number one pick, but you could not pick anybody who is currently on uh, the top position rankings or top pitcher rankings. Who would you take? So not among so outside- the top 20 hitters or 20 pitchers currently viewed by MLB pro stats incorporated. Right. I, I would pick, uh, I'm a big up the middle guy. I, I would go with Bobby Witt Jr. as my first pick um, for the future. You know, I figure he's going to struggle a little bit this year, his first year up, but long term, I don't think you're going to go wrong with Bobby Witt Jr. as your starting shortstop. You would go with him over Wander? I, I think Witt can hit better than Wander does. For average, I mean, I I look at Witt and I see, uh, you know, a guy who could contend for a batting title. Yeah, with some same with Wander, with some with some power, um, he has better defense than Wander, and you know he has some, you know, he can steal. So yeah, I would take Bobby Witt Jr. over Wander right now. So I mean, if you want to trade straight up. We can sign the paperwork right now. It, it's interesting you say that. I, I do have knowledge that there was a discussion last year of wit for wander. Um, that wow. that was that was discussed. Obviously, uh, didn't happen. Um, wit right now hitting 250, 304, 472. Does have an OPS plus of 115. He's got three homers, 13 RBIs, um, five doubles. Like he, he's been hitting 
uh, for some power. And he's sitting third in the lineup, um, which was possibly unexpected, but um, he's doing it. He's coming up on uh, turn 23, June 14th. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're going up the middle, like it, it's totally, a, you know, that that's a that's an easy pick to me. Like if you're if you're looking at the guy for the next 15 years or, you know, because I guess at some point he would move to third base or first base. So, yeah, 15 years, maybe 20 years. Then, yeah, I, I could easily see that being being a good pick. Um, I just I just think it's funny how everybody. It just thinks that wit is like the second coming of, of something. He's he's good. Well, um, and you know, I always take prospects with a grain of salt. They they look good on paper. Going to that next level and getting up to the major leagues and facing that pitching is a lot different than facing, you know, double A and triple A pitching. The interesting thing about wit um is he got better as the year went on in triple A last year. Like he crushed it in um, the second half of the season. He, he destroyed pitching in the second half of the season to the point that he it was actually considered of him coming up um, after the AAA season ended um, if the Rays were in contention. I mean, that was, it was considered, likely wasn't going to happen, um, but it was up for consideration. So that's a, that's a decent, that's a decent first pick. Um my first pick, see, I went pitching. Um, and I went with somebody who also, he's, he's on the radar, um, very much under the radar, but I wanted him to get some love. Uh, that would be, um, you know, where is he? Uh, James Caprilarian. Um, yeah, Cap, uh, Caprilarian. I guess that sounds right. That doesn't, that's not. Close enough. Caprilarian. I don't know. I'm terrible. Like, I'm realizing especially when I host trivia that I am, I am just utter crap with, uh, with some pronunciations. We got to get uh, the anonymous GM to put those little marks in there. So we know where to. Yeah. Capri Leon. Okay. There we go. Capri Leon. There we go. Um, <laughs> he might have the best control of a starting pitcher in baseball. Um, yeah. He's not been great so far this year, at least wins and losses wise. He's one and three, 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 one ERA. Um, He's walked two batters in 32 and two-thirds innings. He walked 21 in 179 and two-thirds last year for a league low or league best 1.1 walks per nine. Um, so he far gave up more year, home runs than walks. Yeah, he, uh, he gave up 26 home runs. Um, he can be prone to giving up home runs here and there, but Texas is a hitter's ballpark. Um, so far this year, he's got a .92 whip down from a 1.04. Uh, he's only walking 0. 0.6 per nine. Um, strikeouts aren't as high as last year, but overall he's been um, a fantastic pitcher. He's only 29. He's a young 29. Um, if I have a pitcher's ballpark, especially, um, he's the guy I'm taking when none of the other pitchers are available. Especially if you have a good defense behind him, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked of two things. One, of teams knocking on the door for him, and two, Texas saying no no matter what. Yep, 
I totally agree. And the only reason why he wasn't on my list of consideration is because it's age. You know, yeah, I was looking. Yeah. I, I was looking to build for a long-term, you know, sustainable team. So my my second pitch pick, I went with uh, Jerry McDonald from the Dodgers, the catcher. You know, Johnny Bench type of catcher. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Uh, with our stash and steal. I mean, right now he is batting. Was he batting two ninety nine? 420 on base percentage, a 168 OPS plus, 1.1 WAR so far with four homers, and uh, solid defense so far, and with a catcher's ERA of 4.08, which is pretty good for a guy who's 25 and a half. Oh yeah, um, you know, looking at oh, I see what these are. Um, what is, oh it's a single all right um so looking at his at his spray chart um you know where where he's hitting the ball um he's hitting it everywhere like yeah he three of his four homers are to left field um he has hit one to the right field corner and um two of his four doubles are to right field um you know his singles are all over the place um, he has the ability to go to all fields. He has more walks and strikeouts right now. I was just about to point that out. I was going to wait for you to finish. And I was going to point that out. So that no, is awesome. Um, the only thing he doesn't do is, is run, but I mean, come on. He's a catcher with catcher ability. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I totally, this is a, this is a good pick. Um, you know, I do want to point out before I go to my next pick that, um, neither of us took Shohei Otani. Um, I don't know if you had that in your, your thought. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel like that would have been a cheat code. And so I'm glad neither one of us took Shohei. Um, I thought the same thing. I was wondering if you were going to take him. Yeah, no, I, I, that, that's good that neither of us did. Um, so my second pick, uh, I kind of homered it. Um, I took Elliot Jenkins. Um, it just, he has the look of he has the makeup of an MVP uh, winner someday. He does um, so the only thing he's the only thing he's never going to do is hit you know forty home runs. Um, yeah, but he could hit thirty. I mean, I don't twenty five do thirty. I don't yeah. think he'll do it in Tampa, but I mean, so he's leading the league or he's second in the league right now three seventy eight, three seventy eight four eleven six thirty three. Um, for a 1.044 OPS, 189 OPS plus, uh, he has six doubles, four triples, four triples so far, three homers, uh, seven steals, um, plays incredible defense. Um, he is every bit so far again, so far what I think Tampa was thinking they were going to get when they traded Gary Griffith for him. He's on pace for 250 hits. Yep. Which is, I, I mean, I don't know what the league record is. I'm sure it's over that. I'm going to look it up. Um, but he's on pace for a, for a almost nine war season. Um, you know, like I it just, and I love Jenkins. He looks like the perfect all around ball player. 
You know, he's yeah. going to hit for a high average. He's going to give you some pop. He's going to run on the bases. He's going to play great defense. I mean, really, the only thing he could improve on maybe is is his eye a little bit and draw some more walks. And that may come with time. Yeah, I mean, he he's a he's a young twenty five. Um, the league record, according to MLB Pro Stats Inc., is two hundred sixteen hits by Ben Revere. Um, you know, back in 2012, uh, it's unlikely that Jenkins gets there. I mean, you know, the, the league record for batting average is Jen McKinley's 364 back in 2019. Um, but Jenkins is in the ballpark. Like this is when I'm talking about Tampa's system, like this is what I'm talking about. Like Jenkins is in a ballpark where he can mash in a different way. Like he's not going to get 29 triples, which he's on pace for. I, it's very possible with his speed, he gets 19 or 20. It, it's entirely possible. And I like the way Tampa is setting their team up. You know, they have a, they have a strategy, right? I mean, look at, uh, Miss Roscoe. Is that who, how you pronounce it? The catcher? Yeah. Rocco, yeah. yeah. I mean, not going to hit anything, but he's going to give great defense. And that's what you're looking for in the catcher. Uh, it's okay to have a guy in your lineup who's going to bat 200 with great defense. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you have somebody like Jenkins, it, it definitely helps. So, yeah. All right. Who's your third pick? My third pick, I went with a starting pitcher and I chose Matthew Libator from Detroit. Uh, 23 and a half. He has all the ability in the world, whether he lives up to it or not. That's another story. Uh, he can go deeper into games. I mean, he'll get you seven innings, night in, night out, especially if he gets on. He's going to give up the long ball a little bit, but you know what? Who doesn't give up the long ball in MLB Pro? Um, give me a minute. I'll tell you. <laughs> Steve White? Is that who it would be? I don't the, know. The, I knuckle, mean, the knuckleballer, is that? I guess. I mean... You know, oh, I don't. Oh, all batters up. Um, I so. Oh no, he's see. on pace to give up forty-two home runs this year, Steve White. Oh well, then I guess that wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, I mean, there are there are a handful of pitchers who have only given up one home run. I'm looking to see how many starters have only given up one home run. Anyway, Libertor. I mean, it's a fine pick. Uh, the drawback with him is, you know, his pitches can fly straight which is when he gets tagged mm-hmm. um and that can lead him into to trouble um but over i mean I, i'm not gonna fault the pick i mean i don't know who i would have in his place um to be perfectly honest with you like uh, i mean he's uh, i older. also he's i older. also consider i also consider jason dumont from detroit but he's hurt so i didn't i didn't really consider anybody that was hurt at this point okay um the one guy i would have considered and i i when we did the ultimate mlb pro roster draft last year um i think i took mark davies with my first round pick um you know he's 28 so he he's older um and he's not you know like the caprilin um caprileon whatever uh caprileon okay i'm just gonna shut up on that <laughs> uh the thing where he like He's 29, but he's 6'5", 205 pounds. And so it's like that kind of pitching, like that power makeup 
can age pretty well. Davies is 6'1", 210, which isn't terrible. Um, and and that could go. Libertor, what is he? He's 6'6", 210. That can lead, you know, that, that can definitely lead itself well. The thing that I find interesting about him, his Babbitt last year was 344 because Detroit didn't believe in defense of any kind. Uh, this year it's 254 because Detroit is like, well, defense might kind of be something. Um, yeah. And, you know, his hits were through the roof last year. He gave up 205 and 197 innings. Um, and so could he be somebody who really does take that step up if Detroit commits to defense and become somebody who uh, not only uh, becomes an ace, but becomes an ace who can eat innings. I think that right. would be the the next step for him. He did have 197 last year, but um, if he can cross that 200 mark, that would be something. Um, my third pick is Hideki Abe from Colorado. Um, I considered Roberto Torres uh, in Milwaukee for this too, but I am... I think it's obvious. I'm somebody who values speed on base and, and defense. So um, Abe is a switch hitter. He's currently hitting 310, 396, 381. He's not a power guy, um, though he is good for doubles. Like he's hit an average of 40 doubles the last two years in Colorado. Um, his OPS plus is down this year. It's 102, but he has been around 125 the past two years. He's had a six war or plus six war each of the past two years. Um, he's only 26. He'll turn 27 this year. He has led the league in steals. He is definitely a guy who cranks up the steals and he can hit for modest power. He's hit, um, you know, 15 home runs in three of the last four seasons. Um, he is somebody, you know, a switch hitter at 26 who plays incredible defense. Um, he's best as a left fielder, but he can play anywhere in the outfield. Um, and he's got the work ethic and he's a leader, which um, I, he's just, he's a fantastic ball player and he's somebody who we haven't talked about. Um, and yeah. so I thought it was worth giving him a shout out here. He is. And in 2022, he hit six triples. And in 2021, he ate eight triples. Hasn't hit one yet this year, but he has the Jets. Uh, a single or a walk is more like a triple sometimes in the old, uh, the old days would be. Yeah. I mean, they have, you know, Colorado seems to predicate itself on, on speed somewhat, you know, they have, they do lead the national league in steals uh, at 25, 25. Um, yeah. They, they do a really good job of manufacturing runs. They, I mean, they, they don't need to in Colorado, you know, but, they're not a team that has a whole lot of, of power. Um, I mean, they have Alonzo Martinez. They have like, um, you know, Carlos they've hit, Correa. They've hit 28 tied for fifth. I mean, yeah. top third, but not. But they've played their expansive ballpark really well. And Abe is the one who sets the table for him. Um, he's utilized brilliantly. In, in Colorado. And, and I think, you know, he's one B of the biggest reason why they've been a contending team um, 
over the past several years. You know, the other one, um, of course, being Miguel Pineda, um, who was ineligible for this draft because he's what the fourth or sixth best pitcher in the league, according to MLB oh. Stats Inc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's fifth. I'm sorry. I just split the difference there. He's fifth. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's that's who I would take. Um, okay. So we'll do this every week where we'll we'll look at some facet of the the league and you know draft best in fields or or worst trades or something. You know, I was looking at draft class, especially when we get to the draft. Draft busts are definitely something worth looking at. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That will be. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to point out um that Pittsburgh does have a pitcher who um was this 2014? I don't recall. Oh, there is draft history. Um, but they have a they have a pitcher who went fourth overall. Is it this guy? No. Um who has never seen time above a ball. Oh, there he is. Jeff Sullivan, um, who is, he's 24, but he's not gone above advanced a ball. Um, had a really good year last year, but he, I mean, if you're looking at bus, like this guy is the definition of it, unfortunately. So I'm um, sorry, um, Hodges. <laughs> anyway, um, well, one last thing, let's get the head to head. Uh, last week, so last week's categories, uh, first one, who would win between Paul Erickson and John Butler? Uh, we both took the Angels. Both pitchers pitched really well. Both got no decisions, but the Angels won the game. So we both got that one. And then things went south for me. Um, so would the league leader, who would have a higher stat as a league leader, the league leader in homers or league leader in steals? Um, Home runs kind of stagnated last week, which was interesting. Like the league leader had seven. It was Edgardo Arredondo and Hunter Bishop. They still have seven and they're still leading the league. While Hideki Abe leads the majors in with 10 steals and uh, several others have nine or eight. So you got that one. I, I lost that one. Um, Will Kavias Simpson or Sampson get his hundredth win? We both said no, and he did. Um, he got his hundredth win against Boston uh, in the second game of a doubleheader on Thursday. And then, who would win the series between Tampa Bay and Cincinnati? You took Tampa. I got Cincy. Tampa took two out of three. Though one of those games was fluky. That's neither here nor there. You've you've taken over the lead at uh, eight and five. I'm seven and six. So. Our first one, our first over-under, teams with 20-plus wins on April 30th, so exactly one week from today. Um, I didn't want to do May 1st because then we couldn't, we couldn't have it for next week's show. Um, right. The over-under is at 1.5. Now, the candidates, the, the prime candidates for this are Atlanta's at 16-6, and six, the Phillies are at 15-8, and eight, and the Angels um, are 15-7. You can throw Minnesota and Seattle and the Rockies and the Dodgers all into this, but they would need stellar weeks. Um, they're they have 14 wins right now. Um, where are you going on this? I, as I mentioned earlier, I, there's going to be one, and that's going to be the Atlanta Braves. I took the under. Okay. Um, I what did I do? I took the over. 
um, because um, I think that the the A or not the yeah the Angels um, will get at least five wins. You know they got they have four against Oakland, and then at home though, um, and then they go to Milwaukee, where Milwaukee hasn't exactly been playing very well right now, and the Angels just don't really seem to make mistakes and they have the pitching i mean they just have the pitching the pitching is ridiculous i really um, hope you're wrong with that one yeah i get that <laughs> um so the second one is number of teams with under 10 wins on april 30th i put the over under here at two and a half so the contenders for this right now there are one two three four five six seven teams under 10 wins the Yankees and Padres have uh, nine. White Sox and Rangers have eight. The Guardians have seven. And the Cubs and Pittsburgh have six. So you're really kind of looking at Cleveland, the Cubs, the Pirates, and one of the White Sox or Rangers or maybe both. I don't know. What, what, what are you taking here? I took the over. I, I You mentioned the three teams I still think will be under the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Guardians. And maybe yeah. the Rangers, the way they're playing right now. Um, so the Cubs schedule, they have, uh, they're off tonight. Then they have three at home against San Diego before going to Miami for three. Um, the Pirates, who have won two straight. Uh, they've won two straight. Uh, they're off tonight. They host the Dodgers for three and then go to Washington. Uh, and then Cleveland. Um, Cleveland, by the way, has is now 13th in the league and runs scored. Um, well, they've won four out of the last five also. Yeah. Um, they're still like pretty last in all the categories. They're home against Colorado for three. They're off on Thursday and then go to Boston. It would be helpful for these teams if they had seven games. They only have six. Um, I took the over as well. Um I am kind of reconsidering that, but given that just teams are playing well, but there are tough matchups um, all over the place this week. So I did take the over um, as well. Now uh, this one, Dane Greer currently leads MLB pro and home runs allowed with nine and lo and behold, he will pitch against um, the Braves on Thursday night. Is it Thursday night? It might be Wednesday. Um, I think it's Thursday. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, yeah, it's Thursday night. The over/under on home runs allowed to either to Taylor Sparks and um, what's his face? The other guy, the, the shortstop, Miller Thomas. Miller. I'm, yeah, I'm, Miller I'm, Thomas. I'm at the, yeah, I almost said Thomas Miller is one and a half. What are you taking? I'm gonna take the under. I wouldn't be surprised if it went over the way he's pitching and the way they're hitting. But, you know, homers have been down this this week, and I expected to stay down, so I'm taking the under. They're due for a resurgence. <laughs> um, I took the under two. I think he's going to serve up one to one of them. Um, But I, I mean, I think it's a tall order for him to give up two. I mean, if somebody can do it right now, he can. Um, and I like Greer a lot. Um, you know, he's a converted reliever who is definitely very much struggling 
Um, you know, especially against left-handed hitters, he has been crushed. Um, you know, six one zero ERA, one point six five WHIP. Um, he just he's not been pitching well against lefties. Um, and you know, in the Braves, you know, I mean, Sparks is a righty, but Miller's a switch hitter. Or yeah, Thomas is a switch hitter. So I think he may. I think he'll serve one up to to Thomas. I didn't. I didn't just say the Braves in general because I, I didn't think that was fair. Um, so I want those two. Our series of the week is clearly the Royals at the Diamondbacks, which takes place Monday through Wednesday in Arizona. The reason that it is the series of the week is that both teams are performing really well. Both have won seven of their last ten. Um, the matchups. Uh, looking like Jonathan Knapp tonight against Emilio Salazar. Uh, tomorrow, Casey Mize against Fred Brown. And then Chris Rivers against Andrew Morales. So it's looking like the bottom of the rotation um, for Kansas City while Arizona's going four, five, and one. So like anything can happen in this series. Who do you like? I took Arizona because they're at home and they are playing well lately. That's the only reason why I took Arizona, being at home. That's it? It's going to be a good series. Um, what is their record? I know this was talked about in chat today. What What was their outlying record that they're like, oh, for forever against the Dodgers, um, but they've crushed everybody else? Oh, I don't remember what that was, but they um, were, oops. They're oh they were 0 and four to start the year against the Dodgers. Then they lost, so they're one and six against the Dodgers, um, which means they are nine and seven against everybody else. So, and if you toss the Brewers out of there, um, well, Brewers beat them two out of three. So two out of three, yeah. So one and six, two yeah. and eight. So then they're what? eight and five against everybody else like that. Yeah. They're, they're playing well. Yeah. They're um, playing well. They're starting to come around. I mean, they still miss Otani, but you know, I think the goal for Arizona right now is just to stay in contention. And when Otani comes back, all they need, all you need is a wild card spot to have a chance to win the world series. Um, I still don't trust Arizona pitching whatsoever i mean the stats back that up they've been terrible um but the royals are below average as a hitting team um and they're they've been very average as a pitching unit going against an elite offense um i'm with you i mean i i took the diamondbacks uh, in part because they're home you know the one thing i could see is the Diamondbacks' defense giving up at least one of these games. I mean, their defense has been putrid all season long. 14th in efficiency, 12th in zone rating, 13th in errors, um, which does hinder the pitching staff a good bit. But um, Arizona's not throwing Lance McCullers and his 173 whip. Um, you know, Jeffrey Stone has rebounded. Um, he's still walking a lot of guys, still walking guys to a tune of five per nine innings. But neither of those guys get to go in this series. Morales has pitched really well. Um, 0.99 whip, uh, 129 ERA plus. Like he has been an ace. Yeah. 
And um, and that he goes in game three. Yeah. Um Salazar has been terrible. He's been he's been terrible. Um not I'm I'm sure not backed up by his defense, uh, as evidenced by the four oh four Babbitt, but he's been terrible. But I and I also think that when we look at the Arizona pitching staff, we have to remember that if Otani was in there, he'd be number one. So yeah, all these he, pitchers would be moved down one spot. Doesn't matter. So, it's not there and they're not good. Like it's always well, the next man up thing. It is. And next but, man up has been mm. um, not like the back end of Kansas City's rotation has been much better. Like Chris Rivers, who I, I think he's the one who goes in game three. He's the one. Who, yeah, he's going up against Morales. Um, he has a one nine two whip. He's got 27 hits and 17 and two thirds. He is walking. He's walked more than he has struck out. He has walked seven, struck out five. Babbitt of 348 and the plus of 55. Um, and Kansas City has a pretty decent defense. Well, maybe. They're 13th in efficiency. Um, Mize has been good. Um, yeah. Nap has been, he's won games, but he has yeah. not been great. So, I mean, it's fascinating because these are two teams who we... I think everybody expected to be contenders and they're not, but I think if you look deeper, or at least they're not right now, I think if you look deeper, like you, like maybe we should have seen this coming for, from both sides, that they're going to be inconsistent. Maybe, and time will tell. I mean, it's early in the season. We're 22 games in, you know, Six of the way into the season, seventh of the way into the season, something like that. One seventh of the season. Well, well, a little under an eighth or over an eighth. Okay, I mean, so there's seven eighths of a season left. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not like it. It, it's, you know, there was gonna. I said in the season preview, like there was gonna be. Um, growing pains for Kansas City. Um, uh-huh. and but Arizona's pitching, I think, has surprised everybody. Um, that they are that dependent on Otani. Um, well, and what and when you lose Harper, uh, that takes a lot of, of your hitting away too to make up for the lower pitching. Yeah, but it's not like I mean, they're still second in OPS. I mean, they're sixth in runs scored. They're fifth in average. Um, they're tied for fifth in home runs. They're second in WOBA. I mean, they're still hitting. But every single pitching category and defense is at best 10th. At best. Uh, they got two of them that are tied for ninth. Home runs Where? allowed and bases on balls. Oh, okay. See, I'm looking at just the, the home page. Um, where, you know, they're just, could they, I mean, I, I don't know what, how much money do they have to make deals? Uh, let's see. 6 million. Okay. So stretch out the 16. Um, I mean, I don't know what their prospects look like, um, off the top of my head, but could they be somebody who is, I mean, I don't think they're not going to be in the run for Copeland, but could they be somebody who, I mean, let's say Scalise goes on the block. Um, 
could they be signed up to go after him or i think or... they could especially because like i said the asking price right now is going to be low on scalise yeah they're they're going to want to eat the you know get rid of this the contract yeah um i mean i guess if they can get the cubs you know if they become a front runner i just don't know i don't know what they have to entice the cubs in a deal for prospects um and they, get them to take like to keep like 15 million on the books or something they have grant ford who looks good but he's still a couple years away he's a 22 year old who was uh, drafted 27th in round one of last year's draft well, i think a 22 year old would be perfect for the cubs um because yeah. Jordan Jordan is young but not not terribly too young gavin lux is 25 and you know like a lot of their current core is in that range so like a 22 year old i think would work when, better for chicago than a 19 year old yeah when when jabs put up his his thing he said he's looking for 22 and younger okay so ford would be at the uh you know the, the precipice or the, the height of that yep okay, okay. Well, all right. Well, I think we well, went like an hour and a half again this time. Well, we, we tried. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty close. All right. Uh, any final words for this evening, my friend? No, I think we're good. We, we talked about a lot, and I'm looking forward to the next week and seeing how, especially how we did on the head to head. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're only, I can only tie you this week because I've only deviated from you once. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm going to have to consider that in my strategy for next week. Anyway, all right. Um, hope you enjoyed listening to episode five of Rough Draft for Scott Gasford. I'm John Comey. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful wherever it is, or I guess whenever it is, wherever you are. Take care.